This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle, here in Madrid ahead of the Champions League final. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. Hi, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm quite warm, actually. Are you warm? <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely glorious, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And what time we're recording this, it's not even 11 o'clock yet in the morning and it must be about 25, 26? Uh, at, at, least, least, at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a cloud in the sky. Indeed, I will be wearing my hat later, I can confirm. <laughs> also with us is the Echo's... And I'll be taking photos <laughs> of your hat. I can confirm. <laughs> also with us is the Echo's Connor Dunn. Hi, Connor. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very much looking forward to seeing your hat. It's, it's, it's just a cap, you know. It's not like this massive thing. It's just, you know, I don't normally wear headwear, so it'll be quite humorous for you. How's your hand, by the way? Uh, getting better. Um, gonna have to go for some physiotherapy when I get back to get it back working again, but it's not holding me back in speaking to the thousands of Red fans that are already over here. Indeed, and in fact, that is where we'll start because you, me and James got over uh, yesterday evening, uh, on Thursday evening, but you were over a bit earlier. You had a chance to go out into Madrid and check out the vibe and uh, it's very red at the moment. Yeah, um, as we well expected, Liverpool fans have travelled in absolutely massive numbers. Um, obviously it was Thursday yesterday and they, they've taken over one of the main squares in Madrid. Um, there pretty much wasn't many Tottenham fans to be seen anywhere really. Um, they were grouped together in one small corner and the, the songs were just going all day and yeah, there were some amazing renditions. All of the, all of the players got serenaded and all of the big songs that you expect and yeah, everyone was in really fine spirits and the police, it's worth mentioning as well, were also in pretty good, um, good spirits as well. They were smiling and taking videos of Liverpool fans singing and cheering and everything as well. So yeah, it was good to see. Hey James, we bumped into one or two when we went wandering last night. I mean, what, what's your take on how things are at the moment in the city? Yeah, really great atmosphere. I mean, being in uh, Player de Mayor last night, it was you know, more, it's probably 80% Liverpool fans, 20% Spurs, but um, you know the way it should be, everyone uh, enjoying themselves, no hint of any any issues and as Connor said it was good to see that even though there was a heavy police presence that they weren't you know they weren't heavy-handed they were standing back just you know they, they seemed uh, quite relaxed and you know that that's obviously one concern of course going into the weekend with you know because there's so many thousands of fans desperate to be here many of them who haven't got tickets um, you know we you just hope that everyone here, uh, enjoys the occasion and, and goes home safely again. I mean, you've been to Madrid before, I think you've been once, haven't you, before, yeah? Yeah, for the, when we played Real Madrid a couple of years back, yeah. You didn't get much chance to go out and have a look at some of the sites now, now then? No, I didn't, didn't back then, no, it was a bit of a uh, bit of a flying visit for that one, but um, but no, it's, it's a city completely set up, isn't it, for hosting an event of this magnitude, I mean, in the in the big square last night was was where um, you know a lot of the the kind of the UEFA sponsors have set up their kind of their tents and you know a giant uh, football pitch that uh, they that, with a stand that they've put up. I think that there'll be some legends playing out there in the next 24 hours, and then you know the giant fan parks as well that are again put together. I think the only disappointment is that the fact that I don't, it seems a bizarre decision they're not showing the game on the big screens in the two fan parks because um, you know I can I can see it from the authorities' perspective that maybe they think it'll encourage fans without tickets to come but I think to be honest fans were going to travel in huge numbers regardless for this game and would have made a lot more sense you know for my for my opinion if you know you have you show the game in both fan parks rather than effectively you know you're going to have thousands and thousands of of Liverpool and Tottenham fans descending on on bars across the city I mean Carl for fans who are coming across today Friday and maybe Saturday morning what what can they expect where should they be heading 
Well, as James says, the Plaza Mayor is where all the Liverpool fans gathered last night, and that seems to be like the main square for both Liverpool and Tottenham fans. Um, there's a specific Liverpool fan zone in uh, the Plaza Philippe Louise, which is also called the Salvador Dali Plaza. That's what it's known as on like, Google Maps, if you're going to map it up there. Um, obviously, Saturday, that's where Boss Night is going to be when John Power and Jamie Webster take to the stage, and that is set to be an absolutely incredible spectacle. Um, if they're heading over today, tonight... Um, there's the Plaza Sol, which is Madrid's biggest square, and that has got loads going on as well. And it's got a big stage set up where Dimitri Vegas and like Mike are going to be playing. Last year in Kiev, there was a similar deal with Hardware and Axwell. These are all just massive DJs, and the vibe there was absolutely great fun. You were super excited about that last year, weren't you? Yeah, I'm super excited <laughs> this year as well, to be fair. It was just a lot, a lot of fun, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it's just definitely something they should all get down to. And it's a free event, so yeah, it's all good fun. Now, James, look at the football then. Um, Liverpool fly out today to Madrid. Spurs have been here since Wednesday, presumably to acclimatise. And given the weather, can you see why there's some sense of behind that? But also, Liverpool had a week in Marbella, didn't they? Yeah, so I think Liverpool you know, will, be, will be ready and prepared for, for what's ahead of them. It is, it is going to be incredibly hot. I think um, you know, you're looking at 35, 36 degrees, I think, on, on match day. On Saturday, obviously, it'll be a bit cooler come, come the evening. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's interesting the way that Klopp has changed Liverpool's plans for this final compared to a year ago when you know he felt that by going he felt they went, almost went too early to Kiev and that um, you know they were left kicking their heels a bit. The time dragged and a nervous energy set in. Um, and this time around, he's he's effectively treating it <clears throat> like a normal European away, where um, you know Liverpool flying out uh, you know, Friday lunchtime. Press conference with uh, with the two fullbacks and, and the manager at the stadium later this afternoon. Then an open training session, um, and then yeah, just just one night in the Spanish capital, and then waking up on on Saturday morning and uh, for that date with Destiny and against Tottenham. I mean the fans though, uh, Connor, they've been coming over quite early as to say there was quite a few there yesterday. What kind of stories have you heard from them in terms of? You know how they've got here, or they, you know, because a lot of us, a lot of them have gone on very circuitous routes because of the basically because of the price of stuff. Yeah, there's there's been all sorts to be honest, and some of the best ones I've heard of people just buying a camper van and jumping in with all their mates and just driving all the way, and it just sounds like a bit of a mad one, but a good journey. Um, people have flown all over the place as well, from you know from Munich where we came in, and there's just they've gone all over like Vienna and places I've heard of, and. Yeah, people just got here by any means possible, really, and you can't really blame them. It's a pretty accessible location. Obviously, the flight directs were absolutely horrendously expensive, so they've just come by any means possible. Um, there's a few that have been on family holidays. I spoke to one guy last night. He said he, he took his miss on holiday to Malta and said that was going to be it, but he's um, left her and gone to Madrid. <laughs> what a star. What an absolute star. <laughs> well, James, then, you've did this week. You've, you've actually been doing some work this week, which has been tremendous. Uh, you had two big exclusives. Uh, one of them was Trent Alexander-Arnold where he sat down and spoke to him about basically going through each one of Liverpool's uh, players you know, kind of a little adding a little bit of colour to them a bit of character and what was Trent like? He was great yeah I mean he, you know, 45 minutes in his company and you know, it's hard to believe he's still only 20 years of age um, because he speaks speaks with, with such maturity for, for someone so young um, yeah and it was just a fascinating insight into his teammates and I think you know, when you read through it, I think what what probably would strike any Liverpool fan is just what a likable group of players. You know, this 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 squad is that Klopp's assembled. I mean, you know, the the warmth that that Trent spoke about every single one with, and and also you know even you know even, and I think you know what spoke volumes is 
you know, traditionally when you do a piece like that you would effectively focus very much on the 11 that, uh, that, uh, that you expect to start the final but he was very keen if he was going to do it we talk about everyone not just the 20 that have been involved in terms of playing minutes in this European run but every single member of the squad because he said you know the, the, the standards in training that has been such a key part of maintaining this fantastic form on the pitch and, and also the attitude of, the, of those who have not been involved so you know he was as keen to talk about you know, Divock Origi and Shakiri and you know, Simon Mignolet and Lovren and Joe Gomez and Lalana than he was to talk about Salamane and, and Firmino but um, yeah some some great stories from talking about being how he felt intimidated by uh, James Milner and how you had to uh, crack through that hard outer shell to get to his soft centre to uh, you'll appreciate that won't <laughs> <he>? <laughs> to um, you know his admiration for the captain talking about Jordan Henderson being the, the perfect role model um, to the fact that you know Sadio Mane, he said that he's the one that he fears facing in training every day more than anyone because you know he said he's he's got the ability to make you look silly as a defender. So uh, yeah, just an absolute pleasure to to spend some time with him and you know what a what another special night in his blossoming career, making history as he will do as the you know the youngest player ever to start back to back Champions League finals. Were there any unexpected revelations from what Trent was saying? <laughs> um, not no, not particular. No, I mean, not not massively. Um, no, I think you know it just uh, the, the, yeah, the thing that struck me more than anything was just the the, just the unity and the spirit mm. b- between them all. Um, you know, I, I like the fact he said that Alison Becker's so laid back. He said he'd literally be sat there about two minutes before training starts and then just nonchalantly start getting his kit on as if like, oh yeah, we'll go out and have a little go and. Yeah, um, and you know, he said he said there's a there's a fair few in the squad like that who are laid back and chilled, and he, you know he said that that's why you know he doesn't really think that you know that's that's any they've got the issues with any handling any pressure or anything, and just the, the, the humility as well. That the you know I think he said he talked about you know Mo Salah for example. He said it'd be easy for someone of his pedigree to to put himself on a pedestal and. And behave like a, a superstar, which effectively that's what he is. But he said, you know, the way you see him around the club and the way that he treats. I think he said, you know, he'll speak to the manager the same as he tr- speaks to the ladies in the canteen or the receptionist at Melwood. Um, you know, he's interested in people, and and he said, you know, he, you know, that that's you know that that is what sets this Liverpool squad, I think, apart from from many others. I mean, Connor, I was in an, in an interview with Andy Robertson as well on the media day on Tuesday uh, and he was asked a question, uh, basically, do you think as though you deserve to win the Champions League because of how well you've done in the Premier League? And his reaction, it wasn't quite like somebody had insulted a member of his family, but he was he was not, not happy with it. He said, no, we don't deserve anything. We have to, just because we got 97 points, we didn't deserve it because Manchester City got 98. And if we don't play well against Tottenham, we're not going to deserve it. So that's an example of, you know, that there has been this kind of, feeling that because Liverpool have done so well people say oh they deserve a trophy but the players aren't seeing it that way yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it I think in what James said it's like the humility of the whole squad and you know it's that emotion and the depth of he, depth of person that we talk about all the time and the fact that Liverpool worked really really hard on getting in those players to create like a really nice atmosphere and they obviously all bounce off each other and are supporting each other in that sort of sense but you know it's, it's difficult to see how you know Liverpool would deserve anything because that's not been their attitude this whole time Klopp's repeatedly said he just takes it game by game by game doesn't he the whole season Premier League season Champions League season it doesn't, it's not mattered to him it's just you know take each game as it comes and that's obviously been a winning formula and hopefully continuing a trade to, 
Don't worry. <laughs> James, you also had an exclusive with uh, Liverpool chairman Tom Werner. Uh, Werner's original, if you don't mind me saying so. Thank you. Um, what, uh, what did he terrible. say? That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all season to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, again, great to spend some time with him and uh, Tom Werner, John W. Henry and Mike Gordon are all over here ahead of the final. Um, you know, covered a, quite a wide range of topics, really. I mean, obviously... You know the the club's resurgence under Klopp was was central to that, um, but you know also touched upon you know the manager's contract situation. I think which you know people will be wondering whether FSG will be waving an extension under his nose this summer, regardless of what happens on Saturday night. I think they certainly should be. Um, and he, he made the point that you know of course we want Jurgen Klopp to stay at this club for as as, as long as as long as he likes because you know, I don't think their admiration for him and the job he's done could be any greater you know he described him as an extraordinary leader um and how he's been the catalyst really for for the everything we've seen in terms of the, the strides the club's taken forward in in recent years also addressed the potential of uh, further Anfield redevelopment <clears throat> interestingly spoke about how he thinks you know in the he's in the weeks after the final I'm sure we'll be looking at that again um with the completion of these feasibility studies into into redeveloping the Anfield road end which you know would potentially raise capacity from about 54,000 up to around the 60,000 mark because um, you know I think they know that they can sense the fans' frustration especially you know in a season like the one we've just had when you know there's such a demand for for tickets Anfield simply not not big enough and um, you know of course they've had they've been focused on the training ground at Kirby which will open next summer um, but yeah you know I certainly expect that they will they will kick on and and do the Anfield um, road end and then of course you know the conversation also moved on to transfers and, and recruitment because you know that's that's been such a another you know massive reason of why Liverpool find themselves in the position they're in where they've been so shrewd in, in the transfer market and um, you know I think you know quite a bold statement but I think he's right that you know he, he said that he believes Liverpool are now in a position where they can attract anyone in world football I think his quote was you know I, I can't see why anyone would possibly not want to grasp the opportunity um, if they were given the chance to to sign for Liverpool. And, and also the other side of it, which he, which he talked about, was Liverpool now being in a position where they can actually hold on to the best players, which you know, as we've seen time and time again over the last decade, um, you know, Liverpool, you know, when they've been on the brink of something special, have tended to have lost an elite elite player. Um, you know, whether that was you know Alonso or Mascherano or Suarez or Coutinho. And um, you know, interestingly, on the subject of Coutinho, you know, he, he did say that you know he thinks that he probably regrets his decision now to go to Barcelona because he said you know we we did everything to try and keep him. We tried to paint this picture of where the club was going, the direction we were going in, and he said, and that's exactly where we've gone. But he was adamant he wanted out. But I think you know Liverpool are now in a position where the likes of Salamane and Firmino. Why would I don't think it's even a topic this summer? Because why would you possibly want to walk away from Liverpool? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Man, I'm glad you mentioned Coutinho because uh, myself and James, as most of our listeners will know, were in Dublin on Wednesday night. We did a, a Blood Live event. There was more than 250 people turned up, so thank you very much for that. Uh, one of the questions, Connor, that most was Most of them asked, asking for selfies with you? Yeah, well, yes, most of them, yeah. <laughs> Doyle Mania Doyle, hit well, that Doyle in Ireland. It was always going to be popular, wasn't it? Uh, I've never the, seen scenes like it. There were a couple of questions that uh, got an interesting reaction from the crowd, Connor, and I'll, ask, I'll put them to you. One of them was about Coutinho, and I might as well ask that one first. Would you take him back if it was feasible? 
for the right price, I absolutely would. I now, think... you see, if you'd have said that, though, they'd have probably tried to lynch you because I said that. And uh, James said the opposite, he got a, basically got a standard ovation. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've only asked me that, so you know I'd agree with you. <laughs> but no, I would, because we've seen what he can do, and we've seen how he can play, and we know what talent he's got. And, you know, he was he lit up Anfield on so many occasions, and why wouldn't you have a player of that magnitude back? He's that creative midfielder, that number 10 that we've, you know, Liverpool probably are still looking at, you know, that is that classic Fakir thing we go back to last summer and everything. It's not a position they've completely solved. And, you know, if you get the right price for him, if you come back, I don't know, I'm not sure what it would mean in terms of, you know, the contract clauses and things like that, because there's obviously all sorts to do with it. But, yeah, I would take him back purely for the talent. <laughs> I think the question was also, do you think Jurgen Klopp will extend his current contract? Because normally he's done seven years, did seven years at Mainz, did seven years at, at Dortmund. I think he would end up doing something like six and three quarter years at Liverpool at the end of his current deal, I think that's right. So that, so that would more or less be seven years. Do you know what? I think he will, yeah, because, again, Liverpool haven't achieved everything they want to achieve. Um, and Klopp hasn't probably achieved everything he wants to achieve with Liverpool. And that I mean in terms of the Premier League, in terms of winning the Champions League, in terms of doing a double or a treble in the FA Cup and just silverware and just adding that to his you know, pretty glittering career in fairness of what he's done from when he got, got managerial position at Mainz. Um, and it's interesting as well, you think the respect he's got from the players and the job he's done and it's still essentially a process at Liverpool. It's not a completed job and yeah, I think he would be silly to go because where would he go essentially as well? Where would be a better place for him to go? Where would where would he be able to put a stamp like he has on Liverpool and where would he better create what he's done? I think the only job he could possibly go for is the Germany national team job. I think that's the, that's the only one. He wants a hands-on role, doesn't he? He yeah. wants to be involved more well, day-to-day. Well, maybe if he's, he's too yeah, young, he's too young to, for I've got to say, yeah, maybe when he gets a little bit older he, yeah. might, he might opt to do that. But I think that might be the only one I can see. Kelsey ever taken over at Bay Munich? I no. don't think so. Definitely think not. So. Now, James... Um, this obviously been knocking around for a little while now, but again, there's been suggestions that Liverpool are going to offer new deals to James Milner and Joel Matip. They're both entering the final 12 months of their contracts in a, in a couple of weeks. You know, there was some stories again knocking around over the weekend that Paris Saint-Germain were interested in signing Milner on a free transfer this summer until it was pointed out that he's actually under contract, so they can't actually do that. Um, but it's a bit of a no-brainer to give both of them a new deal. Yeah, I think you can f- throw Divock Origi's name into that list as well. That was the, they're the three that um, that, you, that Liverpool will be looking to address over uh, over the summer. Um, and yeah, I think all three of them you'd, you'd say are, are no-brainers really in terms of, of of rewarding their contribution over the course of this season. I mean, James Milner was you know you know he's, he's just you know as Klopp said earlier on this week you know he just seems to get better and. And better with with age, and you know you you think about the the jobs he's done for the team since he's been at Liverpool, and you know at the age of 33 is showing no signs of slowing down, which is testament to the way he lives his life and and what a professional he is. Um, so yeah, it makes perfect sense to to give him what you'd imagine would probably be a 12 month extension um, that will you know take him up to the age of 35 at Liverpool. Uh, John Matip, you know you know. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold kind of described him as like the unsung, he- unsung hero of this European run. Um, when you think to go from being fourth choice centre back earlier on in the season, um, and then to step up at what was a really crucial time when you know Joe Gomez having broken his leg, Lovren having fitness problems, you know Liverpool having to play Fabinho as a makeshift centre back at times, and second half of the season, Matip's absolutely nailed down that spot alongside Virgil Van Dijk, and um, I think he's proved a lot of people wrong, probably including myself because I, th- I thought. It felt like his Liverpool career was just petering out, really. I thought after a really good start, I thought he was pretty average last season. 
Um, you know, kind of expected him to be the one that would benefit most from Van Dijk coming in midway through last season, but in fact it was Lovren um, who, who kicked on much much more impressively than Matip. But um, yeah, this time around, um, you can only take your hat off to Matip. He's been been exceptional and deserves that opportunity to start the, the Champions League final. And then yeah, with Divock Origi, I think I think it'll probably what you know be interesting to see whether Origi does sign on the basis that is he happy to have that bit part role and to and to be that squad man going forward um, I hope I hope he agrees to extend it and stay because obviously otherwise you're in a situation where he's down to his last year and Liverpool you know would have to probably think about uh, cashing in if he's not going to sign but um, yeah you know, again he's another one Origi who did nothing did he really for half the season then he has the Everton moment and you think it can't get any better for him than that but you know an absolutely unbelievable end to the season with you know the, with his impact against Newcastle and then against Barcelona, um, and I'm sure he'll have a part to play in the final on Saturday. Connor in Dublin, whenever we mentioned Divock Origi's name, the crowd were in raptures. Shall we say? They, I think they you were, should they... repeat that question. Which question was that? The um, if oh you yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. The question. The question was, if you could choose between, what was it? If you could Ronaldo choose between Messi. Ronaldo, Messi, and Divock Origi, um, who? who would you play? up front and why is it Divock Origi <laughs> <laughs> because what a legend he is <laughs> he's a simple answer but no again he's another one that's really taken his opportunity just as Matip has hasn't he and it's going to massively come down to if he wants to play more football and as James said I really really hope he stays because what what a cracking job he's done and what a cracking end to the season he's had and again yeah, I expect him to have some part to play against Tottenham so yeah you're, you're obviously picking Origi <laughs> <laughs> alright now let's actually talk about the game the game was uh, what we're now 36 hours off or something like that maybe a bit less than that actually um, are you nervous yet James? Uh, no not really quite just excited really um, yeah, just just you know just walking around the city last night you could you could sense the buzz growing and growing and just feel very fortunate to, to be back at a Champions League final because I think like, like most most fans and you know certainly probably like the, most of the players and, and the manager himself a year ago in Kiev you you thought God, you know it could be a while before we're, we're back on this stage again and concerned how they would respond to that setback but, but no, I think um, you know, I'm sure the nerves will kick in at some point between now and uh, what, nine o'clock here on, on Saturday night but no, it feels like this Liverpool team have been building up to this you know, it's very different to a year ago where you know, it was just this kind of a, a, this amazing run that gathered this momentum and kind of blew your mind that they'd even got through to the final and you know the, the path that Liverpool have had to get here you know to, you think about the tough group to, you know, to, to, to get past to beat PSG to you know to the second best team in Serie A in their group as well to, to you know to, to get through that and then you know the to, to beat the German champions in the way they did, the same the Portuguese champions, and then the Liga champions as well. It's um, I don't think anyone could say that Liverpool aren't here on merit. Would you say then, Carlo, that Liverpool's progress to this year's final is more impressive because the actual draw itself and the and the pathway was a lot more difficult than last year? Even though they did obviously have to take on and beat Manchester City. I think so. Yeah, to be honest, just in terms of the nature of it was game after game after game this year, wasn't it? Really, you know, having to rely on Firmino essentially to you know score that last minute winner against PSG the 1-0 against Napoli and Alisson's huge save and it's just every game they needed to do something special you know Manchester City was a special performance and so was Roma at home because they scored loads of goals and it was fantastic to see but I think as an overall run this 
this has been incredibly impressive and to do that alongside what they did in the Premier League as well has just been absolutely incredible and of course Manchester City didn't do that this season either did they um, and I think what is massively you know comes out of it is you can't teach experience and that experience that Liverpool have had against those big teams and gets fighting out of those corners in last year's final as well and it's going to have it's going to give them a bit of an advantage over Tottenham when it comes to Saturday night. Have you sensed a different mood in the fans in terms of whether they think they can win or not? Because it seemed like last year that they were, I can't believe we're here kind of thing. You know, let's just enjoy the moments. And now they're coming over, and that, what I've gathered is that they're like, come on, we need to win this now. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think everybody I've spoken to basically feels like it doesn't really bear thinking about losing this final. Last year was just, oh, it's a great day. It's a great time in Kiev. We've come along for the ride. And it was an amazing spectacle journey, and what a wonderful time it was to be a Liverpool fan. And this year, there's a bit more of an expectation that Liverpool are going to do something. And certainly the mood with the fans is that they're going to win. I think this one will hurt a lot, lot more if they, if they don't pick up that trophy. Certainly hurt me. Um, James, we'll, we will talk uh, now briefly about team selection because I think we'll, we're going to do another pod before the game. So we'll, we can go into a bit more there. But it's, we've been saying this for about two or three weeks now. There's basically only two questions, isn't there? It's who's going to play as possibly the third midfielder? And if Roberto Firmino is not fit, what does he do up front? Yeah, and, and obviously we'll know a lot more about Firmino later on in terms of Klopp's press conference and also the fact that the, the, the session afterwards is completely open again tonight. So, um, you know, Klopp was, was adamant earlier on in the week that Firmino would be able to play a full role in, in training in the second half of this week and that he would, would be ready. Um, but, you know, there has to be a, a slight question mark there because he has missed... Um, some training sessions again following that training camp the in other thing as well is that he's not actually started a game in six weeks by the time they play yeah I'm trying to think what, because he, what did he miss did he miss the Huddersfield one the before the Huddersfield three, didn't he, he missed four of the last five yeah. and the one where he, came, he was where he came on for like ten minutes against Barcelona and yeah. aggravated, aggravated sorry the problem there so what was the game before Huddersfield it must have been an away game I can't remember pass but yeah it's it has been a while hasn't it since he played but I wouldn't do you know what the type of player he is though I wouldn't I wouldn't Necessarily be concerned about that. I think. I think if he's if he's fit, then he then he has to start. I don't think. I don't think it's a case of would you be worried that he'd be rusty or anything. I think he's so integral to the way that this team operate. Um, so you know, if, if he's not, then I think you you probably go with Divock Origi um, and put your faith in him. Um, and you know, and, it, and I think he'd have the the belief to go and flourish on that stage with the way that he finished the season in. But you'd want Firmino out there. Um, you know what? What you wouldn't, I think, what you what you wouldn't want is to go with Firmino and then and then be forced into a change early on that that then would would disrupt things because then I think even then if you're bringing on Origi, it's it's more difficult to you know to get to grips with it you know coming off the bench like that. And midfield wise, I think it is just a toss up between Milner and Wijnaldum, and I, I think it's a difficult. That's such a difficult call. Is it going to be based on how they train? Do you think? Yeah, over yeah. The two three I, weeks. I mean. Because I think, like most people, you know, I picked a team. I think our place put out on on Twitter, and most people seem to agree that they thought Wijnaldum would get the nod ahead of Milner. And you, know, you think of the impact that that Genie had in the semi-final second against Barcelona, coming off the bench. But you know, he did get left out for that one. And you know, I think Milner's played in eleven of the twelve European games this season. Um, you know, and more often than not, when the big big games come along, Klopp does love his. Is experience and, and leadership out there? Um, well, but I think that was the first game of the big games this season that Wijnaldum hadn't started. Yeah, and it, I think the dynamic has changed, hasn't it, in the last probably two months? Because you know Klopp spoke for a long time about how Fabinho 
essentially needed someone almost to hold his hand next to him in midfield as what Klopp would describe as playing two number sixes and then with Fabinho's development who's been unbelievable in the second half of the season Klopp has effectively said well now he's so good and so composed and so at home in this team that we don't need two holding midfielders we you know effectively he can do that job and and then it's freed up Jordan Henderson who's had a new lease of life playing a bit further forward so I just don't. I don't see how you could possibly leave out Henderson or or Fabino on on their form. Um, but then, yeah, it's it's you know there's going to be one very very disappointed midfielder out out probably you know most likely either Milner or Wijnaldum. And Connor, there are 12 substitutes in the Champions League final this year, so whoever misses out will be involved in some way. Do you feel as a Liverpool are now, given what they did against Barcelona without Salah and Firmino, and given you know there have been a couple of games towards the end of the season where you know, Firmino's not, we just mentioned, has not been playing, do you feel as a Liverpool are better equipped now to cope with something as James just said? Then, like last season when Salah went off and Liverpool were then reliant on a half-fit Lallana who just come back from injury, but now if Firmino starts, whoever has to go off. Do you, they are better equipped to kind of deal with that, not just in terms of personnel on the bench, but the fact that these players have then got the, you know, they've had the experience and the and the confidence to come in and do a job, and the rest of the teammates will know that they can do a job as well. Yeah, there's certainly been a development in that sense, hasn't there? Because you know there was a there was a massive. I think it's been a pretty big development this season actually. When you look, when you look at it, um, the impact of players off the bench was really good at the start of the season, and then it started to peter out in the middle, but coming into the second half of the season the latter stages everybody's picked up and it's just probably what Klopp has taught and all of the programmes Klopp's put in for you know systems for certain players and certain squads and teams that he wants to put out and that's obviously a huge development in the way they play and again it comes back to exactly the system they play Firmino is so integral to that in his false nine role there's not really that many of those roles in you know teams across the world which you know Liverpool operate that system so so well because that's who he is but then they obviously can change that to the classic 4-3-3 if if he's going off and things like that so yeah it's a nice change to see we'll finish then James on an important question Uh, San Miguel or Sangria Uh, (laughs) God that is it the um, I'd have to go with San Miguel I I would agree with that Connor I know what you're going for here Connor yeah. Love a bit of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a nice jug of sangria last night, but initially the barman wasn't going to let us, was no, he? No, he wasn't. We weren't he allowed. Was, he was offering you a pint, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was quite adamant sangria. we could only have one glass each initially, but then I think as he saw we weren't, we, 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 we controlled ourselves well, but he, he, did, he did break his own rules and let us have a jug eventually, didn't he? So yeah, it was very pleasant. It was very nice of him. Oranges in it and all, all of the fruit. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you've got to look forward to if you're coming over to Madrid. Um, thanks very much for that then. Uh, and join us tomorrow with another Blood Red podcast looking ahead to the final itself. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.